Welcome, everyone. This is Mac on the Rock of the Concrete Conservative for a weekend hour because it's campaign time. And all the residents have posted, put their hat in the ring, and I have in front of me two people that are very special to me, that agree with me as much as they can possibly agree with me without hurting my feelings. And, of course, Raquel Regalado, thank you for coming right back to me. This is so loud. Me, so loud. You're like the voice of God. Oh, okay. You got to turn it down. I'm going to go death over here. <laughs> and I also have Louisa Conway, a councilwoman. To I'm be. already going to call you that. Not uh, to be. You are. <laughs> the way you are or is the way you is. So thank you all for I'll coming to the Concrete Conservative for the weekend hour. And I want both of you to meet, which is why this is happening today. I obviously uh, would like Raquel to be victorious. Thank you. And I people have to go out to vote on Cuba's Kane. Yes, we got to talk about what happened. Well, we have less we have less candidates now, so it's just you and some other person that screams at people all the time. <laughs> and Luisa wants to share with you what are important to the people of Cuba's Kane, which is why I have you guys both together. So, Luisa, take over and tell tell everyone what why you're running and what you could tell Raquel about what you're sensing out there that is important in our relationship between the village of Key Biscayne and Miami-Dade County. I'm glad to do that. Actually, I think what people should really know is something that Raquel and I was just talking about, which is, yeah, you have a lot of people to select from, but what I've been saying to people on the key is, it's not just about electing anyone, it's about electing effective leaders, which is exactly one of the things that I really like about Raquel from her time on the school board and just sort of the way she's always uh, looked out for Key Biscayne residents. I know as a parent and the public school, I actually placed a call to her once. She probably doesn't remember this, but it was a big issue and it had to do with Spanish classes. And oh yes, that was very controversial. Yeah, it was very controversial, but the point was she picked up the phone, she listened, and she came up with a solution. That's effective leadership. It doesn't really necessarily mean that you'll always agree with your constituents, but sometimes when you see a serious problem, it's really important to pick up that phone, listen, and become an effective leader, and she did that. And I think that for Key Biscayners, this is something that they're looking for, effective leaders, and they know you, and they know you're effective, and they know what you've done for them in terms of education here on the Key, which is also another big issue. Right. So, and I think given that your your background of working school board is not a, a it's not an easy to, place. No. It's a not an easy place. But listen, but I think I think to your point, it's so important um, because I think in this November election, so many people are trying trying to talk about being partisan. Um, and it's really about uh, a friend of mine, uh, Josh Lieberman in, in South Miami, who's a Democrat, uh, really nailed it the other day. You know, um, they gave him some heat for supporting me. And he said, look, this is, these are nonpartisan races. And now more than ever, we need smart, innovative, you know, local uh, electeds. And I'm starting from the bottom up because what impacts my life is the bottom of the ballot. And and I'll deal with the president when I'm done, but first I'm gonna spend my time really going through these local electeds because now in this pandemic, we really realize that these are the people that if they don't work well, nothing gets done. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, um, I'm a native Miamian and you know, the, the joke of South Florida has always been um, Broward County and, and how dysfunctional they are. Broward County, 
has risen to a tremendous level of accountability and efficiency during a pandemic. They've spoken with one voice. You know, they, they really have. It's been very uh, impressive for, for those of us that follow South Florida politics that Broward has provided this unified front. And for once, really, school board, county, you know, municipalities, all on the same page. Now, we may not agree with everything that they've done, but as Miami-Dade County residents, we have to, you know, hats off because we've had so much infighting um, and so much chaos. We, we can't even figure out, you know, who's on first, you know, and, and where you are and if you have to wear a mask or if you don't have to wear a mask or what time you can go or what time you can't go because we have local elected officials that can't even sit down and have a conversation, mm-hmm. let alone come up with a comprehensive plan. Um, and, and one of the things, uh, and I'm thank you for bringing up my school board experience, um, because I think it's so important, you know, when people look at Miami-Dade County, um, they don't realize the dynamic of how it works. You know, um, Miami-Dade County School Board is broken up into nine districts. Uh, the, the, the county commission is broken up into 13. So, you know, there's, there's a few things that, that are important. You know, is the person that you're electing, has it been someone that has worked on a board? Has it been someone that has this type of experience who can bring something to the table, who can get a second, who can get six other votes? Um, Is it someone who people will respect their opinion of their district and say, you know what, I would like to hear what the district commissioner says before, you know, going further with this? Because it's so important for residents to have that in Miami-Dade County. And unfortunately, we don't always have that. If there's anything I learned in my two terms at the school board was to work with the other school board members. Uh, and, And I did. And it wasn't easy. You know, I always tell people that the first six months, it was like being a bull in a china chop. You know, I came in with all my great ideas and they were like, take a seat. Um, What I noticed is when you have great ideas and they're not the other person's, the other person sabotages your great ideas because they didn't come from them. Well, but that, but you learn, you learn, you learn. And I learned and I I really learned to sculpt my legislation um, and to bring in the ideas of other board members. And and look, look at my, you know, anyone can pull up my record on the Miami-Dade County uh, Public Schools website. You know, after six months, everything that I passed was unanimous, you know, Um, and even the mask uh, issue, which was hard fought. You remember the first time I brought the mask issue? um, It was toxic and and people... the most important thing that the county's ever done for Village of Key Biscayne. Okay. Agree, agree. But, you know, it, it wasn't well received at first. Um, and, and it took a lot of of explaining uh, and a lot of time to get my fellow board members to come along. And I remember that we even had a conversation about, okay, Raquel, just put it, just put it on the table. Let's vote on it. And I said, no, we have to get everyone to buy in. Everyone needs to understand why this is important to Key Biscayne and why I'm bringing this. You know, and we talked about it and we talked about it and we talked about it. And we had them deal. We dealt with all of their concerns, you know. And at the end of the day, not only did we expand Mast Academy, but then every other school board member wanted to have a Mast Academy in their district, uh, which was another interesting sort of uh, response to that conversation about how important Mast was, how important the curriculum was, how different it was. And this conversation that I spent years having at the school board about the importance of neighborhood schools and how schools bring neighborhoods together and how schools need to give parents, you know, the opportunity to cross the street and how magnet programs have a tendency to erode neighborhood unity and neighborhood opportunity. Yeah, if the parents and, can't get their kids in the school right no and how it impacts property values because well, the reality I a, is i have a, still have an issue that I, I would like to know i would like for the village of key biscayne population to know 
that their emotions about wanting to leave K-8 Center has nothing to do with these grades being added to MAST. And one thing we didn't talk about, I always wanted to know, and I want the Cuban scanners to understand, there was a big mistake at MAST, because I believe it should be like it was before, 9 through 12, mature environment, kids off to college, thinking about their future. And I really think that that Key Biscayne erred in supporting Carvalho's desire to have sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Well, at the mass. reason the reason we did well, sixth, seventh to give options, to give options right? Because I mean, if, but that overpopulated the school. Well, Manny, I'm gonna. I, 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 this is something I just have to say. I do think one thing that makes Miami Dade public schools uh, attractive, and we have to we have to realize this. I mean, we are such a diverse population, culturally. Linguistically, yeah, but if the Key Biscayne is going to pay wait, wait, pay wait, for wait, a wait, high wait. school, it should be a high school, know, not a middle school. But listen, having options, having options is is you know I understand the selling point. I'm not disagreeing I'm, about. Key we already State. had a K eight center here. But I'll explain. But, I'll explain why we got to that point. Yeah, so mean, when we looked at the when we looked at the numbers, because the issue was it wasn't just creating yeah. seats for Key Biscayne, but it was also making sure that Key Biscayne students could get into MAST. Mm-hmm. If I would have left it nine twelve, they couldn't get in. They didn't have the math and the science to be able to get to that the level. Cambridge stuff. Uh, no, the Cambridge was a watered-down option for those who could not get into the MAST program. Oh, you're and talking I, about the science and technology. Right. I really wanted the kids to have access to both. I could have done the Cambridge and run something that was parallel to MAST, but that wasn't MAST. That wasn't MAST Academy. That wasn't the program that parents wanted. So the idea was if we started a little bit younger, then Key Biscayne residents had access to those seats and they can get to the science and the math that they needed in order to be part part of the MAST program. Now, if they wanted to diverge and do Cambridge, they had well, that, that option. Up, that ended up being what happened. Yeah, the Cambridge kids happened. just stay with Cambridge. But but I wanted to give them the MAST option because what I was asked to do as a school, we go back to listening to what people wanted, right? What I was asked to do as a school board member was to expand MAST Academy. And I did. We created Cambridge as a second option and explained it to parents that this was going to be uh, two roads, right? And that you could take those two roads. And and the example that I used was Core Gable Senior High. I'm a Cavalier. You know, I went to Core Gable Senior High, which, by the way, was the high school that Keeps Gainers had to go to. Um, and Core Gables has two paths, right? It has APIB and then it has another path. Um, I went APIB. My older brother went the other path, right? So it, it's not bad to have two paths, but back to this idea of choice and access. And also you need the time to prepare so that you can have that choice. There's a there's a dramatic difference psychologically. Yeah, but wouldn't it have been better just doing Cambridge full Monty Cambridge at K eight center so that when they leave K eight they'd be prepared for nine through twelve MS. But, but but they, they did. did we did do that. We How did How many years later? No, I mean I would say Maybe a two, two, uh, two years. I think it started then, a little bit my, later. Then my point is, no, Tarafa made. A, she, we started early, yeah, right? Sylvia made no. Sylvia, to her credit, okay, we so tried then, very hard. So then the only thing left open but, is but, the overcrowding issue, which is where all the money went. But, but there's another. There's another. Too many kids in sixth, seventh, and eighth, and there, others can't get into mass. But there's another. There's another problem, and that is the input that parents have. Um, and, and that's why, look, I, I did the Young Girls Academy and I did 612, 
I love the Young Girls Academy. I went to Lourdes and I was not happy, you know, with it. It's changed a lot, but in that time it was very different. The Young Girls Academy was my, you know, my try at all girls school schooling with an public emphasis school. on public schooling with an emphasis on leadership um, and public speaking and all the things I wished, right, uh, that would have been available uh, to me in the 1990s in an all girls school. Uh, because one of the reasons I went to Cora Gables was because it had a debate team, was because it had this leadership opportunity that I didn't have in a private school at that time. But the Young Girls Academy, the reason that we did 612 is to the to the psychology of it. Parents have more a, a greater ability to steer a child at six than at nine. At nine, all the studies show that kids go where their friends go and that the parents really don't have a lot of control as to the academic choices because now they have a teenager. That is not the case in sixth grade. In sixth grade, your parents are still making the choices. And that's why 612s work so well. And that was the idea originally in MAST, right? We had a population that didn't rise to the math science in order to get it to MAST. We were going to add Cambridge to the K-12. It, it wasn't clear if the if the six, um, six, seventh, eighth was going to stay forever, you know, but we needed it as a launching pad to get these kids ready to go to MAST. Now, Ideally, you would have figured out the K-12, right, and then gone eliminating that you and made the high six, school bigger. Six, 12, six, six, 12. No, no, no. You would have eliminated the, the 6th, 7th, and 8th and used those classrooms to expand Mass Academy. That's my point. After, but, but again, it's a, it was a progressive thing. I left the school board. Yeah, so it never happened. <laughs> yeah, if you would have stayed. But there happened. was a progressive plan, right? So the idea was you were going to educate kids, you were going to provide them access to the math and the science, you were going to allow them to kind of baby step into Mass Academy, right? And then you were going to create this expectation, and parents would know, okay, my kids have to take these classes if I want them to get into this program, or I'm going to go Cambridge. These are my options. That takes years. You know, it's very difficult for a community um, to understand and to navigate that. So that the idea was that those grades would be there for a few years, and then you wouldn't need them anymore. And those classrooms well, were they're built. they're still there. But again... And another issue I have, uh, and I want these issues resolved now, uh, if Luisa gets on the board, she will have to have a say with the county school board. And maybe one thing that X never did was uh, pay attention to me and my grievances. And I wasted a lot of time for him when... You know, when I had you. So I, I don't even know why I spent time with him, but I guess because I knew him, I just. Well, I, I will always love Ed. <laughs> I am obsessed with it. Uh, and, and listen, one yeah, of the things. Yeah, education is your thing. Yeah. One of, the, one of the things that I've talked about in this race is, first and foremost, uh, Miami-Dade County is the largest provider of Head Start. Um, and Head Start is so important in our community, and it's been this redheaded stepchild at Miami-Dade County, and I so want to change that. Miami-Dade County is also the largest provider of summer camps, uh, and it's also been a redheaded stepchild. And I would really like to offer our parents, you know, access to programming uh, in our parks department that that has an educational component, specifically District Seven. Um, and and then the the third thing is, um, you know, we have. Right now, what I didn't even notice, you know, it's one of those things where someone has to mention it for you to get it. Like when the Miami Herald endorsed me, they said, you know, Raquel Regalado would be the only working mother on the county commission. And I was like, oh, my God, 
I guess that's true. It's happened again. Uh, because when I was elected to the school board, I was the only um, school board member that had children in schools. And and when I was elected, I didn't really notice it until like the Miami Herald told me the day after. And I was like, really? No one has kids in schools? But that's a big endorsement. Right. No, yeah, it was a great endorsement. I, you know, I know I know that you don't like the Miami Herald, but... <laughs> which yeah, is amazing. Yeah, which is amazing that they endorsed... I, I literally fell out of bed. My dad called me and he said, the Miami Herald has endorsed you. And uh, I was like, say what? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm glad I heard the news from you because I wouldn't have known the news otherwise. But but look, I mean, and one of the things that I think that we're seeing in this race uh, and that we need in this county commission is a generational change. Um, right now, I've turned my dining room into a classroom. I am dealing with online learning. I have spent the last four weeks talking to all my friends and all their friends trying to navigate this online learning and, and trying to explain to people how to do this um, in a correct way. Uh, while we work from home, while other people don't work from home, you know, I've put people together with tutors. You know, we're we're trying uh, to teach our kids and use this opportunity to learn about organization um, and how to deal with these new platforms. I myself changed my son's schedule completely so that he's taking more computer classes and more PEs uh, because I think that that's something that we can work on. Uh, I got a math tutor because I figured, you know, now that we're doing this, let's go all in, right? Um, and, but it's been a very difficult time, you know, um, and, and nothing against the men, but it's been very hard on women. This, the, the pandemic especially, and the, and the online learning. Women. Yes. No, it's, it's been very hard. And, and I wish more people would be saying that. And I said that at the Miami Herald um, you know, interview. I said, look, you know, I don't think that we're being honest about how difficult it is for women to navigate this. You know, we're working from home. We're doing all these things. You know, my day ends at 12 o'clock at night and I'm exhausted. And then you start again. You know, uh, I have to be reminded what day it is because it's all kind of like a blur. And now, you know, we're doing this other thing and, and we have to watch over our kids and we want them to make sure that they learn. And we're, we're communicating with each other to see sort of like best practices, you know. Um, so it's, it's a very difficult time, but at the same time, a tremendous opportunity to engage women in government and, and really explain to them that the people who are making these decisions should have a clue. They shouldn't be like hearing about this, you know, on TV or on the radio. Like there should be someone at okay, the table but, who but lives now, this. Okay, so yeah, I but, don't... I think, but I think, Raquel, that's, I think, what makes you the most uh, accessible to people because I don't even think most people really realize that you sat on the board of one of the largest, I think, fourth largest fourth school, largest school district in, yes, the, in the country. And I think there was 365,000 students. students yeah. that so, are all going to log into one platform. Yeah. Cross your fingers. <laughs> but, yeah. but my point is to go And the on, parents are going to be around to keep the kid in the class. Right. right. But my, my point class. is to become a county commissioner and to have that kind of a background. That brings a depth of experience. Right. That I don't think. Okay, no but now offense, ask ask no her. That right, your opponent that's running has that level of expert experience, expertise, and temperament. Right, temperament. I'm sorry, but temperament matters. Yeah, we have it here too in Key Biscayne. We've had a contentious past two years. A very, I, I feel like this beautiful island that we have. You know, it's become yeah. Has council member fighting the mayor? Yeah, and then there's this. There's this tinge of resentment for your city manager who you just hired. Right. I mean, my God. So I want Lisa to delve into stuff that she wants the county support on because she's running. And I want her to 
uh, basically uh, uh, let you have it, what we, what she's expecting of you. Well, because one what? is Go one ahead. Which, which I'm sure you've heard so much about, but it's near and dear to a lot of people here on the island. And, you know, you've heard it. Resiliency. Of course. Sustainability. Right. Beach renourishment. We're a beach uh, community. We're a, you know, this is why people come here. And these are big issues for our island. We are being confronted right now with a bond resolution that's uh, causing heartache and heartburn for some people. And, city bond. Yeah, right. city bond. And it's, you know, they're claiming it's going to address sea level rise issues. But by the same token, the county is also, you know, facing similar issues. Uh, you've got the Army Corps' $4 billion project. And the I wall the, yeah, that we don't want. That nobody wants. And so I we think, want mangroves. <laughs> Can we have some mangroves? Nobody's Can someone thinking, bring the mangroves back? Yeah, right. nobody's thinking. But it's right incredible. now, Key Biscayne, we're like this stepchild. Right. And, um, and people on the island are just getting kind of fed up. You know, $38 million a year annually in taxes flows off the island to the county. And so I think legitimately people are asking, what am I going to get back? I don't have smart lights. Um, you know, uh, I don't, we are not even placed on any beach renourishment list for the county. We're completely locked down. And the talk of, of moving the sewer plan is not even a consideration. Yeah. We don't even talk so, about it here. So, so a few things, so a few things. Look, first, first, I think it's so important, and thank you for bringing up sort of how large the school district is, because one of the things that happens is people see, like, their school, right, mm -hmm. and they don't see anything else. Um, and they don't understand that it's the fourth largest district. Um, it's the only budget that can be compared to Miami-Dade County. It's probably the uh, uh, par. They're almost the same size. Right. We're, we're, we're almost there. We're almost there. Um, and, and we share a lot of things. So I was talking about how one of the things that I did at the school board was I was named to the value adjustment board because the county owed us $56 million a year, and we were three years behind. Um, and, and they finally got sick of it. We tried to fix it in Tallahassee, and they told us to go home because Miami-Dade County was the only one that had this problem. And the school board named me to it, and I spent eight months. I wrote the policies and procedures. We got brand new magistrates. We got new staff. And, and it took us a year and a half. We got on track. The value adjustment board is now on track. It's no longer three years behind, and it gives the money to the school board on time. Um, and, and I was very proud of the work that we did. It was it was very cumbersome, but we did it. Uh, and then we were very blessed in that the, the policies and procedures that I wrote, uh, the state liked them. And other value adjustment boards all over, you know, the state of Florida copied them and now are working with the same policies and procedures. So it, it provides other good government. Counties, other counties, right. Wow. It's, it's good government. That's impressive. Uh, but, but it came at a very difficult time, you know. And, and, I, and I start saying that because we're about to embark on a very difficult time. When I was elected to the school board, uh, Rick Scott cut the educational system by $2 billion. We sat there in Tallahassee when he presented his budget and wanted to cry. Uh, we came back, you know, and, and tried to find how we were going to survive, you know, something of this magnitude. And the only way to survive it was to get people uh, to restructure things. So um, I was in charge of um, facilities and construction, you know, and I did the bond. Um, but I also uh, restructured transit. I sold all our school buses. I bought smaller school buses. I put over 100 children on Metrorail. We created different routes where we would pick them up on one bus and pick them up on the other bus so they wouldn't be riding all over the county. Um, and, and one of the things I did was we sold uh, some of the lots that we had for buses and we sold the parts. We had this place called the Elephant Graveyard where all the old buses used to live and they used to pry apart the parts. And, and by, the t by, the end, by the end of the day, because one of the things that happened there is the go the governor said 
School boards should not get transit funds because transit is not an integral part of education. So, of course, everybody like lost their mind, right? Because we need transit. We don't have a transit no, system. So we need, we need transit. Don't have cars to get their kids to school. Right. So, but, but this goes to the point of what you do in a crisis. So I went back and I said, look, I'm going to work on this transit plan. I'm going to prove to Tallahassee that we are as efficient as we, as we can be. And, and we approved it and we did it. And we went up to Tallahassee and we said, you were right. We were inefficient. We were wasting money. And we did better. And this is what we did. And it wasn't partisan. And they gave you half of it back. No, they gave me all of it back. They gave uh, me, <laughs> Scott gave you all of it back? We got all of it back. Really? Well, well, for the transit part, for the transit oh, part, transit, for the transit okay. part, for the transit part. But, but you know, but it's, it's about how you approach a crisis, right? So, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of politicians who see a crisis and they just start beating either a partisan drum or a woe is me, you know? Woe is me, woe is me. No, listen, you know, sometimes government is not so efficient. Let's be honest, you know. Sometimes. And sometimes government, <laughs> sometimes government needs a crisis to kind of shake it up and figure out what the priorities are, you know. Well, I, and I must say that when I was doing the conversion to charter, I was invited to the uh, main uh, the Day County Board of uh, Central Office, and I saw three floors completely empty. Yes, we emptied out. We we actually all the desks were empty. Yeah, we 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 actually turned one of the buildings into a school. Um, you know, and we really focused it on. IPREP? Yes, it became my prep, and we, we took. There were there were people inside the school district when that happened, um, that were you know still their job was to help people with emails. What is that? What is um, just like when I got to the value adjustment board, there was like a dude there that you know would help people with cobalt. I don't even remember cobalt. I'm and 46 years old, uh, and, I, and, I, and I was I trained. I was trained with MS DOS. Like that's pre MS DOS. That means that somebody would have to be using a system that was over 50 years old. Um, but those things happen because these are systems that are so large, right? And and people do the budgets, and things you know slip through the cracks, and and people just keep moving, right? You, do you suspect that in the when you get to the county commission, you're going to find oh the yeah, same yeah thing? no 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 yes that exists. I can tell you as a fact that that exists at the county, um, and and that's an opportunity for us. Uh, to first um, eliminate the adversarial relationship with the cities. So this goes to your point. The first problem we have at the county is this idea that it's the county versus the cities. And this idea is actually a historical point. For for people who are not from here, you know, they don't know the history, right? They just kind of like landed. Well, they don't really like that we incorporated first. Well, but the, they the, never forgot that. Exactly. The cities <laughs> the cities existed before the counties. The county was actually created to eliminate the cities. The plan um, it's an attorney who's still out there. Really? Uh, who, yes, an attorney. <laughs> an attorney who came up with the plan. But the idea was originally that the county would do such a great job at providing services that it would take the cities out of business. And the county was created at a time where the cities had a lot of economic issues. And that's why you see that a lot of the cities that existed before the county uh, gave the county all these different assets, right, in the hopes that the county would manage it and that the cities could then reduce their role. Over time, the county became just as ineffective or even more ineffective than the cities. And, um, and taking the majority of the tax base. Right. And and we started competing services, right? And look, my father was at the head of that. My father, it took him 11 years. They, you know, the cities have trolleys because my dad sued the county for the money because we didn't get, we the cities didn't get the half penny, right? So so it was, you know, over the years. Oh, for the audience to know, the half penny was a half penny 
Sales tax. Yes. Right. Uh, was that the creation of uh, Alex Pinellas? Yes. Uh, Who and is no longer in the race. Well, but... Just but the, to make clear. But the, the point is that these things go back like 10, 20, 30 years, right? You, you, that's why sometimes people like kind of jump in in the middle and you're like, well, wait a second. This has a history. There's a story here, right? And there is a story behind the Rickenbacker and behind the beaches uh, and behind this decision of the county to kind of make Key Biscayne a redheaded stepchild. That There's a story there. Uh, and it's, it's... I think it's a spoiled brat who's redheaded. <laughs> <laughs> I take offense to that <laughs> as a key but, Right, but but it also it also has to do with you know engagement, involvement, and proper representation, right? Uh, because look, you know, and, and you and I went through this with Mast when we yes. first started talking about Mast. We got tremendous blowback, tremendous blowback. And I came back to the village. I remember going to the village meeting where we talked it's, about it, was it in February, in February, and begging people. I said, "Listen, if this is important to you, you guys, you guys told me when I was elected." that this was important to you. I'm doing this. If this is important to you, you have to show up. You have to show up and you have to speak. And if you can't speak, then you have to send an email and you have to call. You have to stand behind me, right? And and, and it was, and, and Kibis Kane uh, was poor, poorly represented when they would go to the school board. She was looking out into the crowd, hoping we would like show up. 10 people. <laughs> and, yeah, like and you're like, well, how bad do these people really want a high school? Where are so they? You can, see, you can see why I went, I got into my MO, doing things on my own out here. But we still have that problem here. And I, sometimes I, I, it really as uh, It's disheartening. Uh, it's it disheartening. Is, I advocate, and sometimes I have to say, I've gotten up there in front of the village council, and I'm like, I'm all by myself. I'm standing here asking them not to raise millage. Where is everybody? Right. And, uh, I mean, I think that's that's an ongoing problem that we have on the island, and some of it I thought, well, maybe it's because we're bilingual, and we don't make enough of an effort to reach non-English uh, speakers. I have dedicated 10 years to that. Um, and, and look, I mean, when people ask me, you know, how does an attorney end up um, on Spanish language radio? Um, one of the reasons that I started doing Spanish language and I did so much Spanish language and I do so much Spanish language is to educate Hispanics about the role of government. Because there was no one talking about that. You know, before I started talking about it on Spanish language radio, no one was following, you know, what was happening at the county in, in that sense. My mother was a pioneer in that she covered Tallahassee. Um, and she was the first person on Spanish language radio to cover Tallahassee. I started going to legislative session in Tallahassee when I was seven. Um, so you can imagine I went every year. And, and part of my understanding of the legislative process and sort of how to work with Tallahassee comes from that. Uh, but but back to your back to your question. Look, I, I think we're going to have um, we're going to have fiscal issues. Right. Because of covid. We're going to have a reduction in state funding, but we're also going to have money coming for infrastructure investment from the federal government. Right now, no one's talking about it, but FDOT just finished uh, the MacArthur. FDOT yeah. finally finished the MacArthur yeah. ahead of time. Shocking, right? You're speechless. You're speechless, right? FDOT finished something you know, ahead of time. You're speechless. Um, one of the well, things. Wait, that, wait a minute. I do have to give some credit to the governor who had them working during yes, COVID. Yes, that's they okay, never stopped. I, you know, I got they never moments. stopped. They never stopped working. Um, so now these plans that have usually are five, ten years, you know, out are actually moving at a quicker pace because people aren't driving as much. They've actually doubled down on their plans. Uh, I don't. For those that have you know been driving at night, they've noticed that I ninety five is closed like most of the day. 
uh, because they're working. Uh, and we're going to see that. And I hope um, to really call the governor's attention to the Rickenbacker. You know, we need okay, to fix our, our Rickenbacker okay, Lisa problem. Needs to take over here. Lisa, yes. as a council member, yes. what big, bold ideas would you suggest to Raquel about what we're going to do about the nightmare that is the thought that X. David Suarez even consider putting us at 30 miles an hour. We cannot leave the key at 30 miles an hour. You have to. You'll fight. never leave. You will never leave. <laughs> people have people have difficulty just accelerating past each other at 30 miles an hour. Will never happen. Uh, please promise us that. Leave us at 45 miles an hour. I would prefer 55, but I understand there's a beach. This is right, that. right. There's but pedestrians. What can we do for Key Biscayne to have? an exclusive access in and out in and out of our island. Is there ever a proper uh, opportunity? I talked about this earlier with you, and I want Lisa to either support it right here, right now, or for you to give us some hint that there's a, a chance for us either expand Rickenbacker, elevate Rickenbacker, right. or buy Rickenbacker. Because if that $100 million catastrophe passes, which I'm hoping it doesn't, but if it does... I want Lisa to shift all the all the interest from climate change to owning Rickenbacker Causeway because you guys are misspending the money anyway at the county. We could go in business with a private contractor. Many cities and other states have done it. And I want to know what Lisa thinks about that incredible idea. I actually think it's a good fallback idea. I do because, you know, it gives Key Biscayne, if I'm not saying that, that's if we got the hundred million. That's if we move. We don't away want the hundred million. We clarified that. Yes. Right. 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 Let's make that clear. But I do think that Key Biscayne should think about that. You know, they should have some forward thinking about the possibility. I know this was discussed talking about history. Yes. I know this has come up on the island in past years. They've talked about buying the Rickenbacker, and it gives Key Biscayners some control over oh, the, the tolls, over development, over events in Virginia Key. And my favorite part, some revenue. We are, you know, we're 95% of us are paying property taxes on this island. You know, that 71% of our budget is made up of property taxes. Right. We don't really have... You can't generate anything else. No, we don't have diverse revenue streams. So, I mean, that's, for me, I think something Key Biscayners should think about long term. I mean, I, I see this thing which I'm learning about, this Plan Z, which worries me because the impact on Key Biscayne if the county and the city goes forward on that, because once again, my community gets left out. But we might be looking at some serious toll fees if, it's, if That's it goes right. forward. And I know it's still an evolving plan, but it's something that I think Key Biscayners should be concerned and should become aware and having a representative like you, who's always been attuned to Key Biscayne. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Bottom line. I mean, line, do you, um, Raquel, do you have an opinion about uh, about the plan? Or? Well, a few things. Um, so Plan Z has been kicked around for a long time, you know, and, and one of my issues with these things is that now that we are in the middle of a pandemic, I think we kind of need to take stock again. Uh, and I feel the same way about the SMART plan. You know, I think that we have a tremendous opportunity at the county to kind of put these things all on the table and decide, hey, in light of what we just lived, are we going to go with what we thought about before? Is that going to work now? Uh, because A, financially, some of it may not work. And B, pragmatically, it may not work. And right? the county's gobbled up a lot of money 
Right, exactly. COVID the, itself has sucked the, 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 the budget. The county doesn't have a lot of issues. So I think it's it's kind of naive to go about like business as usual. You know, we're just going to keep doing our thing because, you know, we're seeing a tremendous decline in commercial property values. We're, we're seeing a retail apocalypse. You know, we are. What happened in Manhattan is happening in Day County. People are emptying it out of Day County, working at a home. You know, a lot of people are going to stay at home. And those companies aren't renewing their leases for the size that they were. Listen, I'm an attorney. We took our computers and we went home. And a lot of attorneys are going to stay home. You know, I work on the radio. I have a studio at my house now. You know, it's it's a it's a lot easier. A lot of this is not going to go away. Just like the online learning. The online don't start, learning. Don't start telling me you're coming back to Blink Radio no, from your studio at home. <laughs> I no, want you but, here up front in person. Well, and here I am. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I have, well, have I, kids I, at home. I have I kids at home. I'm standing ovation now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. But, and when we shall win... Yeah. But but even but even this online learning, you know, listen, online learning is not going to go away. You know, right now, as parents, we're challenged with it. But fast forward two years from now, if you want to take your kids on vacation for a month, you might want this vehicle. You're going to say, hey, why can't I just jump on a platform, right? If I want to go see my family in another country, why can't I just attend that way? Why are you going to hold me to these attendance rules? What about if my son falls down and breaks a leg? Why can't he just go to school online? Why do I have to subject him to going to school and walking with crutches? This is not going away. What we are living, we're never going to undo this. Never. The same thing with the Zoom meetings, you know, this is this is staying. This is staying. So it's about time people start getting comfortable with this and start thinking, okay, in this new normal, you know, what does our transit look like? You know, what does working from home look like? What do what industries are most impacted? We are a community that lives on tourism. And and we don't just live on tourism. You know, people think of like hotels and restaurants. Yes, all very important. Uh, the homeless, right? There's a lot of vehicles that we pay from taxes that we get from uh, from tourists. The Pam is asking for money. The Sky is asking for money. The you know the Science Museum is asking for money. The Arts is asking. Every one of our institutions. We are also an entertainment mecca, and the entertainment industry has been devastated. The party industry has been devastated. Banquet halls, devastated, right? So Cruise ships. Cruise ships. Airplanes. Airlines. The bond rating. The bond rating for the port. Down the toilet, right? So, you know, it, 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 this is a moment where people kind of have to take stock and step back and be like, listen, that was a great idea pre-COVID. Let's reevaluate that and see if it's a priority. Because right now, our priorities have to be investment in infrastructure, you know, because people are working from home, right? Because people are using places in, in a different way. We have to focus on our environment. Look, Monday is such an important day. I was so happy when Benny told me that this was today. Monday is such an important day. Monday, there is a county commission meeting where they're going to be presenting the Biscayne Bay findings. Okay. We have had this Biscayne Bay working task force, you know, for over a year and a half. We've all seen what's happened to Biscayne Bay. For those of us that have lived here for a long time, every year they told us this was going to happen in Biscayne Bay. We knew it. We knew it. We all knew it. You know, we know that the septic tanks are a problem. We know that the bay is contaminated. 
They told us that the fish were going to die, right? So the Monday, they're going to talk about this. We're, we are and expecting... Who, who's going to be making comments? So the, well, the water keepers are going to be starting the meeting. They that's have a presentation. That's a nonprofit group. Right. They're the ones that really sounded the alarm, you know, uh, were the water keepers. They're going to be starting off the presentation. And then the task force is going to represent, rep- um, is going to present their findings and their recommendations. And then the Miami-Dade County Board of County Commissioners is going to have to take a decision. But to your point about resiliency, right, we have to start talking about water quality and water issues. Okay, we, can I ask something? Why why wouldn't the county commission delay these findings until the new elected commission is elected? Well, in part, there's a crisis. You know, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't I wouldn't delay this. I mean, I think we need to act. In fact, I would have had like a special meeting like two weeks ago on this. Truth be no, told. Truth be told, it's that bad. And I don't know if you've passed by. I mean, I drove by. You can smell it from the Omni. I mean, uh, and then the algae came. And we knew the algae was going to come. The minute that that fish came, we knew the algae were going to come. And and look, they did a pretty good job of, of getting oxygen. And we know that part of it is what's happening with the temperature. Uh, but this is a dumpster fire. And we have to fix it. I think it's it. more fertilizer from, from It's a lot of things. It's, it's a, a lot of things. It's a lot of stuff. And Miami Waterkeepers has been at it. For years, for years. I mean, we've been no hearing about this for a year. No one listened. Because we just cry out here. We don't really. No, get but we, we in Keep Biscayne, we listen to Miami <coughs> Waterkeepers. I mean, uh, Rachel is an amazing. But she's been sounding person. the alarm for yeah. years, you know. So finally, on Monday, right, we're going to have a resolution to it. Now, to your point about the new commission, the new commission will be dealing with this too, you know, um, just like the beach erosion. So, in other we're going to be dealing with this too. For you all to listen in. To know what you're going to face. Yes, right. This is a moment for everybody to kind of like pay attention. These are the priorities. I mean, but but I'm answering your point. Plan Z, I'm sorry. It's not really a priority right now. You know, Biscayne Bay is a dumpster fire. You know, we have serious environmental issues. We have serious infrastructure issues. Uh, and look, I ride a bike. My kids ride a bike. Most people are riding bikes during pandemic. My family is one of them. We're, you know, we're, we're all we're community. all like you know. But but and and it's imp- and I'm not saying it's not you know are, it's are, not feasible. Really I'm just saying it's not. A lot of people from the mainland to come out here and enjoy themselves. Right. But we need to focus on what's very important. And what's very important right now is our environment and resiliency. And look, the Key Biscayne bond that you guys are all talking about, everybody's just following what the city of Miami did. My dad started this, you know. And and by the way, my dad started this because of the flooding. Uh, and one of the things that he talked about was the need to use that bond um, to ensure resiliency, not just, you know, as a well, stopgap. Well, our folks haven't even told us that. They just throw it out there as ideas, but they don't actually have yeah, and pen and paper. And they don't really... The blank check. Yeah, they haven't really defined what resiliency is, right? Because I think we have to all sort of agree as a... As a community, right. As a community. I mean, as a county. Agree. Because we're all in this together. And the thing is, talking about Biscayne Bay and making that a top priority is the fact that we all reside on it. And we all need to work together. We need to be... Back to your point about being effective and collaborative and working with others. And and look, one of the things that I did and, and the reason that, you know, I had the support of Key Biscayne on the Mast Academy issue is because I went to the Key Biscayne meetings, just like I went to the Corey Gables meetings, you know, uh, and I went to the South Miami meetings. I was the only school board member that physically went to the meetings and reported on education. And I've committed to the cities that I will do the same thing as your county commissioner. I'm not expecting anybody to 
to come down to government center and see me, you know, I'm happy to go. Uh, in fact, I think it's a tremendous opportunity because people have a tendency to be more engaged in their municipal politics than in their county politics. Yeah, all politics nobody is local, goes. No, but nobody goes no, to county Kiba hall. County hall. County hall is, you know, you, you go to a county hall meeting pre-COVID, you know, and, and you have a few gadflies, you know, and, and a few of the usual suspects. But, you know, you really you don't have a lot of residents because normally those people just walk down the hall to their city hall. Right. And talk to their elected officials. And that's why it's so important to have a good relationship with those people and to be respectful and to be professional and to be effective. And to your point, we're not going to always agree. Right. And that's fine. I don't know where we all decided that we all had to agree. Right. I, I, I adored my mother. May she rest in peace. And I never agreed with her. And she gave birth to me. Right. So I, I always tell people, like, I couldn't love her more. And yet, you know, I always thought, like, if we did more than 50 percent, it was a good day. Right. Uh, but we can be respectful and, and we can come to a resolution. And one of the things that I think that makes my tenure on the school board and what I want to do at the county so different is, you know, I've, I've always been about negotiation and finding a solution. Okay, but what about this? Here in QSK, we just awarded $165,000 to a consultant. I know Luisa didn't like it. The studies, the studies. Death by committee. Death <laughs> by committee. And listen, that's another thing that I hope COVID kills, right? You know, I, I really hope that we, we reevaluate this. We cannot do this anymore every time, you know, that we have a problem in our community. You know, yeah, the, the, the knee-jerk the reaction. doesn't want to take responsibility yeah, for the decision. Yeah, the knee-jerk reaction is like, let's start a committee and have a study. And, and, I, and I'm not saying that... It's, that's not an answer, but I'll give you an example. Baylink. I've lived here my entire life. I remember when Maddie Bauer was mayor of Miami Beach and did the first Baylink study. We're going back like 20 years, people. Probably longer. 20 years, right? Yeah. Easily 20 years, right? Okay, so the first Baylink study, I remember it was like $110,000. Then there was like a second one. Then there was like a third one. Then there was like a vote. And, and now, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, before COVID, you know, people are like, ooh, Baylink, a great idea for Miami Beach. I was like, recycled. We've talked Let's about this a million times, you know? And look, the same thing happens in Tallahassee, right? That's why you need people that are actually following this stuff. They're not new bills. They're recycled. We know them, right? Yeah. We see them every session. And and this is what we're seeing. How many times does the city of Miami Beach say have to say that it doesn't want Baylink? I mean, they've literally said it a yeah. million times. Yeah, I think they voted on it too, right? They voted on it. They do not want it. And yet the county is like, we're giving you Baylink, whether you like it or not. No, they That's even suggested wrong. Metro Rail out there. Yes, I oh mean, th this is wrong. What a mess that th would have been. This is a disaster, right? I mean, it sounds really cool. Cool because it looks like a monorail in Disney World going out. I can see it going past the cruise ships and all. But man, if you bring Metro Rail out to Miami Beach, you'll never park but again. But to her point about resiliency, this doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah, here, yeah. here we're talking about if, if you, you know, if you follow what happens at the beach and and what's what's happening at the federal level in so terms don't let them of building. So put a Metro Rail out to the key, okay? No, but, but <laughs> just in case. No, but in terms of building uh, structures that are more resilient, you know, structures that can take a certain amount of 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 water damage, right? That that have the ability to withstand some flooding. I mean, this is what we're talking about right now in Monroe. You know, before COVID, everybody forgot about it because it happened like a few days before COVID. Um, Monroe decided to just let the sea take a road. They voted on it. They decided, they said, you know what? We're not even going to save it. We're just going to let the sea take it. You know, we're going to move off the 10 houses that are there. We're going to relocate them. 
it's not worth it. It'll cost millions of dollars, you know, to, to, to save it. It's not worth it. We rather invest in our seawalls. Uh, and in securing the rest, you know, of our of and our these peninsula. Are residences, these homes you were talking about. Yes, oh yes, and they moved them. They moved them. It happened a few days before the whole COVID thing, so everybody was kind of like, Perfect "What?" Timing. You know, <laughs> but 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 these are difficult decisions that people have to make, right? Where you know, to your point, you know, you you have to. There's a balance, right? There's a balance. This is not something that you just throw money at, right? We've thrown money at this issue you hear a that, million Lisa? times. It's not something we should throw a hundred million dollars at. Well, I mean, this no, is the but, problem here, right? Look at what we just did we paid for uh moffett tim blackenship and crew to come in and tell us about beach resiliency but you guys years ago but remember we already did that remember remember when you know a few you know over a decade ago you know we had that beautiful uh, beach nourishment what 20 years ago yeah and uh, people don't even remember where kel and i do though the Cuba skin hotel had those seawalls yes they were what 12, 12 feet high even maybe even 15 feet high and those are sitting there underneath this sand that are going to show up again. And remember, <laughs> remember when they started grinding shells? Remember yes. the remember the grinding shells? Yeah. Like all of us who live in Miami were like, I remember the yeah. shell sand. That was a disaster. And then it would get, super hot. And and then it would get hot, and and it was like stepping on coals. And we were like, who did this and why? You know. And now we know a little bit better. So so I think you know we we all have to you know be on the same page. We have to look at Miami Dade County as a whole, right? And say let's let's come up. Like it's great that the cities are doing their own plans in terms of resiliency. Okay, I've got another great idea. It just came to my head again that I didn't ask you the first time. And again, Luisa has to seriously consider it. I fell in love with the bridge tunnel in front of Joe Robbie Stadium where the people walk underneath and people drive above it. So I thought that if I could convince you all, not so much the village because quite frankly, the county should get involved. FPNL should get involved. It has a substation right there for us to buy the entry feature along with all three parties, maybe even the state of Florida, since there is a state park, and do this bridge tunnel where instead of people walking underneath, people in harbor underneath. Now, underneath doesn't mean underground. It just means level. Right. A crown that goes over them. Okay. And we can finally stop and kill the tra- the trans uh, the traffic jams out here because we get to eliminate the light at Harbor and Crandon. Well, that takes us back to what you were saying about the synchronization Would you give of lights. Something like that. Well, Lisa give voice to something like well, that. Well, the problem is, like, what we've been told about the lights is that it's not a panacea. It's not going to solve. It's not going to solve anything. Oh no, but, but 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 it'll at least allow us. It's to like twenty out. minutes. It's like twenty minutes. So I, so I so I. I, even yeah. keep my, my, I can't get out. Listen, my my but my. But eliminate the light. My fight with the county at the school I board. I guess it looks like I'm the only one thinking here. Hello. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna get to we're gonna get to your tunnels in a second. Let us deal it's with the practical. I understand the women expensive. are being practical. <laughs> okay. The women are being practical. We want to give you 20 minutes before we give you a $20 million uh, tunnel. But no, listen, my first fight with the county was exactly over the synchronization of lights. Have you guys ever noticed that the lights around schools are never synchronized and that they blink even on the weekends? I was always so annoyed by this. I was like, I don't understand. Why can't we fix this? Right. It doesn't make any sense. Like it's such a simple thing. The school is not open in the summer. Why is the light blinking? Why are people stopping? It's very confusing for everyone. And the county was like, yeah, no, no, we're not doing that. Um, So then, you know, in 2016, when I ran for mayor, we talked about the synchronization of lights and we beat the drum and beat the drum and beat the drum. And then finally, the county was like, "Okay, we're going to synchronize some lights. They finally approved the contract. uh, And now it's the interesting part is going to be 
who goes first. So now that the money has been allocated and we have a plan, the question is who goes first? And if they're going to synchronize with the school districts and with the cities, like are they going to work with the cities in terms of finding synchronization that works? Because you know your lights better than anyone, yes. right? You know, and you we know- We definitely need faster lights in the morning when people are leaving the work and faster lights when people are coming back home. Right. And, and you know, and yes, it's going to have sensors, but, you know, why are we going to rely on the, just the sensors when we can sit down with the electeds and the residents and really have a conversation about problematic intersections? Because a lot of what we're seeing, um, not just here in the Key, but in other places too, is the cut around, right? Because the light is so slow that people go another way and they create, you know, auxiliary traffic. And if the light was working properly, then you wouldn't have that problem. So the county looks at it as an entire problem without really focusing on that this issue is creating that issue. Well, here we have people cutting through the 7-Eleven that, See, that's because that's what people do. They're like, this light takes forever. I live here. I know how long this light is, right? I'm going around. And it happens in a lot of places. Look, we have the same problem um, on on uh, 104, you know, and 102, like further down in the district, you know, where people cut through neighborhoods because they know that that light is yeah, a the nightmare. Grove the, the Grove, the Grove has, has it, shut, it too. They had to shut off streets. So because, people stop doing it. You know, because it's a disaster. You Plus, know? it lowers values when there's too much traffic in residential streets. And it's dangerous. And it's, no, dangerous, it's dangerous because they're residential yeah. areas, yeah, you know. And, and we want our kids and our dogs, you know, uh, to be able uh, to walk around, you know, our neighborhoods without having to worry about being hit by a car. But the synchronization of lights is such an important issue. And my commitment to that issue is to have town halls in the different cities in the district and present the plans. Present the plans and ask for your input so that we can figure out, is what the county is considering a good idea? You would know better than me, right? These are your lights. I can tell you about the lights in my neighborhood, you know, and the ones that I, you know, see every day. But you can tell me about yours and really have a conversation and come up with a plan without having the county do what it usually does, which is spend a bunch of money. And then all of us are like, this doesn't work. And then turn the right? ears off of the complaints. Right. This doesn't work. Right. And then people complain. And then we're like, all right, we'll start again. Maybe well, we'll maybe we'll do a study. Maybe <laughs> we'll start a committee. You know? No. But one of the problems for Key Biscayne is that we're densely populated. As you know, we're very, very densely populated. And you compare us to other places. And we only have one way in, one way yeah. out. So all our residents have to leave on Crandon and come back on Crandon. That sounds like an overpass to me. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like your little tunnel. No, right. I made the so, mistake of saying tunnel because we're an island and can't be a tunnel because right. we flood in the right. rain. Right. 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 I meant to say overpass. Right. Now, overpass is not the Alton Road one-lane overpass that was there for many years on Collins and Alton Road. I'm not implying that. I want you guys to imagine, I don't know if you've seen it, but I'm sure you have a pro-player stadium. Right. What Mr. Ross did there. And if you could just imagine cars at street level going underneath an overpass that's gradual, just like the one at Joe Ruby Stadium, right? Staying straight on Crandon, people come in of your condo where Key Colony is, you stay there, you just go. There is no more light. The light's a circle now on Harbor right. and Crandon because you still have Cape Florida. So that was you still actually have Club. so that was actually um, pitched in 2014 for the South Dade Busway. There you go. So MDX. Uh, in 2014, um, had a plan to put these little bridges, okay, over the intersection. But that and was for people to walk over them. No, 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 for no, no, cars. for cars. Oh, very so, cool. So the issue that the South Dade Busway has is that it has these lights. So the buses have to stop, and then the cars go. 
and then the bus goes, and then the car goes, right? That doesn't make any sense. Make it's any supposed sense. to be a rapid bus, right? The idea is the bus should just go, right? right. It should just go. It should and go from one end to the other, other. right? Right. So, so what they so what they thought of is that MDX wanted to do these little bridges. Um, and then what they did is in order to pay They're for big humps, basically. A big hump, right. I'm doing it with my hand. He's he's explaining <laughs> uh, what I'm yeah, doing. Yes, yes, I'm, yes. yes. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explain it with <laughs> visuals. So it's so so here's the bus lane and it has like this little bridge. And then what happens is what they wanted to do was have cars be able to go on the bus lane by paying a toll. And that toll would pay for the infrastructure, right? And then that would last for five years and then the infrastructure would stay. Um, and then you would you would no longer have a light here because everyone would just That's keep moving. That's basically what I'm implying. It's a same little thing. Bit more same, same thing. But what's really cool about ours is that FPNL is almost 35 years past due in moving that substation north. They right. Can, they can only move. Sorry, move that station S- south. South. Right. And guess what? That property's there. They have to buy it for us. Right. And they can take a, a quadrant out of it, and then the rest is a street. Right. But, but my point is... We've got to think in this town. We've got to think. Well, but, That's but, why you have WSQF 94.5 Blink Radio. But I, I'm giving you... thinking all the time. When I blink yeah. once, I said it, blink twice, you missed it. My point is that it doesn't have to be a whole... He, he knows I'm funny. It Go ahead and laugh. Bro. It doesn't have to be a whole street. It could also be just little bridges, too. That could also solve your solve your problem of the lights, right? So these are, these are all things that, you know, are not that complicated, you know, because building an entire highway, like, over another street, is kind of complicated because you have to shut down the street underneath it to build it. Well, I'm just case, saying, this, case, this is the problem with these things, no, right? In this case, it would be a very expensive lot you're buying, which also includes the Oasis. So it would be called the Oasis. I have a video. I don't you. know. I mean, I'm, my thing is right There are now, solutions. There's, there's, there's other solutions. Hey, traffic is the, yeah, biggest, think, the biggest problem in this town is people complaining. Well, COVID is the biggest. The key. COVID is the biggest problem in this town. Traffic has now taken a back seat. No pun intended. Okay. <laughs> But the other thing is that's really bothering people on the island, and you come on. It's traffic it. still is traffic. Yeah. Traffic, true, but traffic's the reason why we incorporated originally. Okay, so here on the island, they are really upset over the maintenance of the beaches. Yes, which I have to explain. So one of the problems was, and we don't know who came up with this brilliant idea, was to bury seaweed. Yeah, which was such a mess. Caused all kinds of health issues. I think it's the same person that was grinding the shells. <laughs> it was the same guy. It was the same guy. He was like, I have a great idea. Yeah, no. So they were burying the seaweed. Now, one interesting thing for us was, okay, we were told, get rid of the seaweed. You can't bury it, thank God, because it's disgusting. But where do you put the seaweed? Now, they had talked about doing something over by Virginia Key. Did, do you know anything about that? Because we haven't been able... You know, to get rid of where we oh get rid of seaweed. Oh my God! Yeah, add seaweed. Yeah, add seaweed to septic in a sewer. You're talking about some serious stink. It's you like, sure you want seaweed that's septic? I don't know. They talked about. Sounds I mean, like a bad movie. Well, yeah. when the nor- when the winds come here, yeah, you can smell city. it. Yeah, you can man. smell it. So we get gas Miami here. Beach and them take their seaweed. I can find out. I mean, I can find out. I'm because happy that's to. That's something for us that we need to address. Because look. We're going to have to live with sargasm. Right. People don't like to hear that. Okay, but what? Uh, please explain to the audience what was so bad about the burying. They weren't burying it deep enough, or was it decomposing fast enough? What's... It caused, well, we got told, I think, by Derm. Derm, Derm, yeah. Well, it was yeah. causing, what, toxic, uh, the decomposition? 
Well, I mean, I think it was causing issues with leveling, um, you know, and 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 it because it was rotting under the sand. So people were sinking as they were walking above it. No, it was also causing like, like health, health issues. issues, right? Oh, okay, that's the answer. And they said, "What are you thinking? Get rid of this thing." But it's you organic. Know, it's Why would organic decomposition? I don't cost? really quite get it, but I mean, I'm not an environmentalist. I'm just throwing it out there. I want the audience to be thinking expert, like I'm thinking. But this is an issue for the key. Okay. And that, okay, we need to get rid of the, you know, we can't bear What do we do with it, right? But we still are getting on a daily basis tons and tons and megatons of uh, seaweed. And we have our small stretch of beach right. that we have to clean and that we have to maintain. And one of the problems is some, we just can't even keep up sometimes with the amount of seaweed that we get. Plus, it's unsightly. Plus, people don't like walking around it. Right, right. The, it I'm also, sure the hotel, the one hotel that uh, we left alone out there, I'm sure they're not thrilled. Yes, they they clean really, it up themselves, right? They no, clean up their I mean, own? we have to wait for the... No, the, the, the village, village takes care of their side, and, too. ...and touch it. The village is the one that cleans it. So I think that's something for Key Biscayne and working with our county commissioners. Yeah, because you guys have a huge stretch, too, at Crandon Park. Yeah. Yes. And you have yeah. to deal with the Crandon Park, but we have to build better collaboration. It's right. one beach. Right, it's one beach, right. Right, no, and it's and it's one issue, yeah. right? So you know, I don't I don't know what you do with seaweed. I'll find out. Uh, but, I mean, you would think there's one thing you could do with it. Why can't we just deal with it together, right? And just come and get all of it, you know, and, and pick it up and do whatever we do with it. I, I'm really surprised that it's decomposition. You would think you could compost it or something, right? Yeah, like I'm really there should be a, there, should, there should be a better way. I know that it smells, but I mean decomposition. I don't see how that could be toxic unless today seaweed is toxic because of our environmental issues. Because it could be that the seaweed you and I used to play with as kids is now hurting us. Right. I wouldn't I be know. surprised if it's poisoning us. I mean, they um, the um, the Rothenstein School, they've done some studies for us and, you know, we've they've analyzed this stuff for us. So, I mean, right now, I think we have to figure out a way to get rid of it because, right. like I said to you, it, it does affect our lifestyle here and, you know, our ability to enjoy an amazing amenity that we have in Key Biscayne. Right. But one thing I wanted to get back to you on is another thing for Key Biscayners. So those of us that our kids go to Mast Academy, talking about buses. So one of the issues we had was first getting the kids, because this would have helped on traffic. I, I don't know if you know this, but Mast Academy, they could keep Key Biscayne parents from dropping kids off and tying up the causeway. You know, both sides. Right. At a time when parents are leaving to go to work, too. Yeah. yeah we, we, the traffic jam is insane. The problem is getting the buses to come here. So that we had a problem where the buses, they said, 6 o'clock in the morning. What? No way. I mean, we <laughs> not, like, not the copacetic keep us going. <laughs> We're keeping scared. It takes us a while to wake okay. up. <laughs> Six o'clock? Oh my God, for like 5,000 yards? Uh, <laughs> so, but my, my son leaves for Southwest at 530. <laughs> oh, yikes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's I, not. I was no, it's But it is a problem. It's, it's a problem. become yeah. a, a, a big issue. And so I've even talked a little bit to the principal about this. Like, well, if you gave us buses, maybe we could try to get it in people's there goes There it goes right back to Cubus K. Give us the money. We'll get you a bus. Yeah. Well, one thing that we did when we restructured um, the, the transit plan is, is create drop-offs, right? So 
And instead of having buses pick kids up like at the house, because the problem with the house pickup is I'm coming, I'm coming, <laughs> I'm coming. And a bunch of, you know, it just, it, there's very few children that are ready. Let's just be honest. Right. So it, it's hard to stay on one. time. It's hard to stay on time. Um, so one of the things that we did is we did these drop offs where the parents would, you know, drop, you know, a number of kids, you know, usually 10 to 15 kids at a particular site. Um, and then the bus comes by, yeah, loads up everybody up. that's there, right? You no, know, how, and then well, keeps I going. Growing up when I was uh, being, you know, driven to Belen, I remember my public school friends were sitting at bus stops, packed. Right. So bus stops is something that you you could do, you know. Um, and and one of the things that I've talked to people about, um, and this goes back to public transit and and the better bus project and sort of the things that we're talking about at the county, right? Um, I have cameras at my house. You have cameras at your house, right? Mm -hmm. Why don't we have cameras at bus stops? Like, why can't we make bus stops, you know, um, safer with cameras? Why? Why can't I don't I don't understand? Like, the technology is there, right? This is not complicated stuff. Just like uh, we put uh, we put um, trackers on our school buses so that parents could see like where the bus was. This is not complicated stuff. Like GPS is not yeah, complicated yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, our you know? problem was the buses were coming, either they came too early and no one took them. Right. So the district said, we're not going to send you buses if you guys are not even going to get on. It was like, well, you're coming at 630 in the morning. Forget yeah. it. Right. School doesn't start till 8 o'clock. Right. So the other issue is in the afternoon. They also would prefer we were not clogging the causeway once again to be picking up the kids. We had to go and pick up our children because the buses weren't always um, coming on time. Mm -hmm. They weren't always consistent. Then we had the issues of the kids that stay after school. Right, they have after school activities, right? Yeah, so we were told, Key Biscayne, for your after school activities, you have to pick your kids up. But everybody else that doesn't live in Key Biscayne, they got the bus that took them to Vizcaya or wherever they needed to go. Well, we needed to be very... We always got to be very minded. It was their school first. No, no, no. Understood. But I think, but, look, but I think these are things that, these that you kids can really, come. Really that you work can... hard to get to school on time. No, but my point I mean, is, they cl but planes, again, trains. No, you know? but one second. But for Cubis Gain, again, it goes back to what we pay for. Right. Right. And, right. You know, that's the problem right now. For the, I'm talking about the people here today. Sure. The uh, folks that are saying, hey, you know, I'm paying a lot of money for this and I'm not getting a whole lot of service from this county. Right. You know, so I'm asking simple things. I'm just no, asking. And, 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 and this is listen, this is a matter of like logistics and scheduling. Right. Yeah, so exactly. if, if 630 doesn't work, you know, let's try 730. Right. Can we get people on board for 730? Uh, will people feel safer leaving their child at a bus stop if there's a camera there that they can log into? You know, um, these Man, are these are all feel, things. If, if we don't feel comfortable, our kids at a bus stop, we got problem but you no, don't but you I'm, never know but that's like that's like a legitimate no, question that's a that people that's have a mainland issue. No, but, Should it, not be a but the other issue. thing is is that it relieves a lot of the traffic congestion in Absolutely. the morning it's horrendous because a lot of it is all the parents no, and we don't and we don't uh, we don't carpool right we don't pile them all together. but, but here but here's another issue yeah again true. covid now we have this covid issue covid is impacting uh, buses transit you know ridership people don't feel safe riding with other people now um you know one of the things that's going to be interesting when schools reopen is in in order to comply with the contact tracing you know we have to ensure that certain children are not exposed to other children but what happens at the bus stop 
and what happens before school and what happens after school, right? So um, there's going to be, it's going to be a very difficult learning experience, you know, as we try to navigate the contact tracing. Uh, and look, I chose online for my son, but my daughter is physically in school. My daughter goes to Easter Seals. Um, and they they did the summer camp and and we started school last week, but it's a very controlled environment. You know, we have very strict protocols. She's um, going physical. She goes to phys- she's physically going to school because she's in a vocational culinary program. But I have to take her temperature. You know, I have to do the contract tracing every day on the application. Wow. I have to, you she, know, she every drops, day, every day. Every day, she gets dropped off. She's only with the same six kids. They don't see anybody else. We have to report on ourselves, you know, on the health of our family. You know, I work from home, so she's with a group of kids where all the parents work from home because we kind of learned that in the summer camp, right? In the summer camp, we had like a mix of kids. Some parents work from home, some were working out, and we had a case. Thankfully, um, no, it didn't spread, uh, but that's because we have plexiglass, we have masks, we have face shields. They have 15, uh, every 15 minutes, you know, they got to spray, uh, or they got to wash their hands. We have hand washing scene. But these Those are, very, are sharing food because they're culinary. Well, at culinary, what, what we did is they, they only go to the kitchen now every other day, you know, and they cook six feet away from There's each masks. other. Still has the culinary. Or? Yes. Yeah. Very so cool. you know, it's it's a, it's a great program, but you know, these are very difficult things to navigate and to explain to children. You know, and that's another important point. You know, now that we talk about these school issues, a lot of parents are not going to feel safe. You know, uh, dropping a child off at a at a at a bus stop or t- or picking up another child. I mean, this is our sort of new reality that we have to navigate, mm-hmm. and and this goes back to the county and you know transit and the smart plan. Folks, we got to rethink all of this, right? Because, you know, this this is our, you know, the other day someone said that the pandemic of 2020, and it was kind of like eerie because I was like, wow, is there like another pandemic coming? <laughs> like, I guess I guess it's true. We kind of have to put it in its historical context, right? No, this is the be, pandemic of 2020. Of 2021 too. Right? Like, we don't know, right? Like, okay, we I think we've all in our minds kind of decided that like this year's a wash, right? <laughs> we're all like, it's really sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're all like 2021. Shh. You know, best no, with, that's wishes. It's, it's affecting our culture because we are into uh, entertainment culture, and Miami is really. That's what I'm saying. The economic impact, like we're we're suffering an economic impact now, but this is prolonged. I mean, we're talking about no Art Basel. We're talking about none of these events. No, we're, games, no. no Marlins. Though, well, I mean, the Dolphins are they're opening. The Dolphins are doing it they at twenty percent. I'm a ticket holder. I'm getting pissed. 20 percent. Uh, they were at Dolphin Stadium on Tuesday when they made the announcement. They're having hurricane games and they're so, having well, Dolphins games. Are they going to pick me? Did you talk to me? Did you talk about me yet? Or no? <laughs> Did you call me? Did I know? <laughs> oh man, I need a proclamation. I, my father was a, a 1970 season ticket holder, and I've inherited those seats. Well, I told you that my first uh, my first childhood memory. Uh, is at the Orange Bowl. My mother was a huge greatest Dolphins stadium, fan. The greatest stadium ever. And and I was, I think I must have been like three or four because you remember the steps in the Orange Bowl? They were really, really high. Yeah, absolutely. And Everything's steep. So my first memory is carrying my little cushion. You know, you had the little orange cushion that you yeah, had to sit the on because the seats sucked, the right? the hardest on earth. They're like concrete, right? So you had this like little cushion and my first memory is like climbing up the stair. <laughs> like my knee was like almost at my chin, right? Climbing 
climbing up like the step and going up the steps. And, and when, when people would clap, the, well, the here we would go. That's right. And then something happened, and the whole thing started shaking. shaking. And my mother like picked me up, and I remember the thing like vibrating and thinking, "Surely we will die here." <laughs> uh, that was like my first, like my yeah. first childhood memory. Like we're gonna die here. Uh, and no, my my memory as a kid was right after the national anthem. There were three guys that would stand up on my side of the stadium because we were on the visitor side, and they would stand up and they would do the same thing the gentleman did in, at the at the Berlin Olympics, Viva Cuba Libre! Right after the anthem, it's like loud, fifty thousand people every single game, and no applauding or anything. It was just waiting for the waiting for, for a cue, waiting for, for Cuba Libre, waiting for fans, a cue, their fists up like that at Bad Pigs Veterans. You well, know. I I have those crazy seats because my husband went to UM undergrad. So he's a king. Oh, man. God help me. <laughs> so without me knowing, I was cleaning one day and I hit my leg, my foot against this hard bench. I wanted to buy one and my oh, ex-husband said no. Home. My ex-husband, because my ex-husband isn't from here and he was like, you cannot buy. I was like, I, was like, I want to buy one. I want to buy a piece I of the stadium. One. I would yeah. give it to you. Because... <laughs> He I has totally a bench. He has a bench. That's awesome. That's awesome. Fantastic. I would totally hang out with and your husband. I was, he, yeah. I wanted one so well, bad. The only thing I ever got was a, uh, the chapita of the, the number of the oh, chair. Oh, the number of the chair. I yeah, have just yeah. a chapa. Yeah, my Come ex-husband. Come on, the bench is by the best looking That's thing awesome. I mean, I, they're nasty. I was like, <laughs> who has reminders of this? He's like, this is My odd. childhood. Yeah. Hey, no, listen, look. Okay, so we and got, I, and wait I, a minute. We got... Uh, eight minutes left. Okay. So, so really quick. So, in in defense of your husband, for <laughs> for those of us that are native Miamians, there's only a few places that. I mean, we really we you know they tore down everything, right? You know, they they took away Monkey Jungle, yeah, you know, so like Parrot Jungle too. Because you know, it's not half the. Parrot no, it's not the same. It's not the same. The Orange Bowl is gone. You know, uh, the planetarium, they're tearing it down. You know, and, I tried so hard Maduro's to save. Be coming down any day now. Yeah, I tried so hard to save, like, the planetarium. Like, we all heard Pink Floyd there for the first time, yes. you know? And it's, you know, it's our childhood. Uh, but there's, there's just a few buildings, and we are emotionally attached to them because, like, we try to explain to people that are from other places. People get to take their kids to wherever they grew up in, and we, like, live here, and we have, like, five places, you know? So, you know, and we can take them to landmarks and be like, imagine a building. <laughs> yeah. Imagine something happened here. Imagine there was a building here, right? Uh, I went there as a child, uh, and it's very confusing for our kids because Miami is seen as this like transitory place, and for us, it's home. It's not transitory. It's not disposable, you know. And and I think that's a, a good way to end because more reasons to talk about resiliency and to talk about the environment and to talk about our commitment. This is our home. Like I don't get to go somewhere else, you know. We have nowhere to go. We all have to, you know, sort of plan something, decide countywide what we're going to do and commit to it so that we can all be on the same page because, you know, now there's this other generation of children and we want them to be able to live here and and look, we don't have time, but it, it's economically impossible for our children to live in the in the neighborhoods that they grew up with. Yeah. That's a reality. That's another conversation yeah, about affordable time, and workforce housing fair. and sort of like all the mess, you know, uh, that we have in this district. But, you know, we're not millionaires. Not all of us are millionaires. Some are. The person who's running against me is. But, you know, I'm not. Uh, and I think it's important for people to be honest about the challenges here, you know, um, and how we work very, very hard to live in our neighborhoods. Well, and we make a huge like investment. Because I, I have to say these things before I forget. Uh, 
as a result of this interview and as a result, it's really been a conversation. It's been beautiful that both of you are here. I wish you guys both the best. But please reach out to me for Raquel Regalado yard signs. Yes. I will be putting signs out there and I will show how favored I am of one candidate. And, you know, hey, FCC, you know, find me. I don't know what you're going to do, but, you know, I again, I invite Loudmouth from Pinecrest to come over here. She can scream at me all she wants. I got a Fred Flintstone voice. I can scream right back at her. I want you to feel free. In fact, would you be interested in speaking, debating oh, with I'm her? I'm all about debates. I've, we're having a series uh, of so debates. I'm all for it. I'm all for official, it. There's an official invitation to debate here on Blink Radio. And Luisa will have other candidates coming here to yeah. talk. Yeah. And you know, hopefully we're all, you... I'm stuck going on here. But, you know, I want to say, I think for anybody that's listening out there, that I think also the good thing about Oh, Luisa's yard signs, too. Yeah, yeah, don't forget mine. But the <laughs> COVID, I think what COVID has actually done, I mean, I'm noticing it now. People are engaging. Yes. And people are listening because everybody's stuck at home. Local and government I, came home. Yeah, local government came home. But then something happened when they were sitting at home. They don't want the same style of governance. Agree. They don't want the same people with the same old ideas. Yeah. You know, it's good to have experience which you have, but the, I think the thing that is the biggest selling point for you is that you're constantly thinking ahead. And I don't know about your opponent, but I can only say with you, I mean, just even sitting here and listening to you, the thousands of ideas that just come out of, you know, that you think about, that you take the time to think about. And given the challenges that we're all facing right now as a county, we need innovative we're, people. We, we need innovative we need people. It. I mean, right. we have it here on the key. I mean, we had two incumbents. Eight people stepped up and said, "I want to run." And the so reason, what's going to happen in your race? Yes, that happened in your race. Nice. We had all these other candidates distracting from the queen. You, <laughs> Lerner, was able to get in there and get some support in this freaking town. But I, I, I like to think that there's other people in there that gobbled up a lot of your support. That were yes. X, for instance, who represented this town. You'd be surprised how many people think he's running for mayor, but you'd be surprised that, 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 that they didn't even know he was the district person. Here. Right, right. So that kind of distraction uh, created problems for you. Uh, Rosenberg didn't do anything. Uh, you think that that vote can be had for you? I mean, yes, 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 yes. I've actually met with Michael. There was person that I wasn't familiar with. Ralph uh, Suarez. Yeah, Ralph I don't know anything about Ralph, but uh, Ralph, I think you should come out and support Raquel. And Rosenberg, you know, uh, you know, Calusa is never going to be privatized, so come out and support Raquel. Uh, Lerner, you know, what the hell. But uh, I want you to debate Lerner. Ms. Happy Lerner, to. Ms. Happy Lerner, to, Honorable yeah. Lerner, Mayor Lerner, please come to WSQF 94.5 in Key Biscayne. Uh, uh, we're the voice of this district. Please come and debate Raquel. I really want that. And thank you. And thank you for talking about like the local issues. I mean, and I would love to do it again. I mean, I think it's so important uh, to really like drill down, you know, because, you know, people have a tendency to think, oh, everybody cares about the same thing. But, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talked about today can be resolved. These are things that we can work out. It's not that complicated. Right. I mean, there's some bigger issues. We could do with Manny. When I'm on council. Remember, it's with Armando Ciappelli and Jennifer Allegra. That we could have. So you're announcing a slate? Is that what you're announcing? Yes, I am. Three seats. (laughs) Bold, man. No, listen. Efficient governance. People don't have time. They want to know that they got three. They have three seats. Three people that will address their issues. You know, we don't. This is the. This is the. And if you're a if you're a candidate for village council, you're invited to the station. One by one, I will do one by one, like I did with Luisa. 
one by one. Uh, you probably can't have the star of the show, Raquel, but you guys can come one by one, tell me, for, I don't know, half an hour to talk, uh, maybe two hours, maybe three hours. No, I'm just kidding. Just half an hour. <laughs> and all the candidates come and speak, uh, and we'll speak for 30 minutes. No, but minutes. it's good to even going forward, because I'm pretty confident you'll do well in this one. Thank you. Um and I think the most I'm... important person is the incorporation of Kiva Skane <laughs> is Raquel Regalado because I don't give a hoot what everybody says. Of all the things we did here on this island, the only thing that mean buckus to us was Mass Academy. It's 38 sexy. years. You told me the first time I met you, 38 years waiting. And I sweat and teared. I took a lot of hack and a lot of grief. A lot of people accused me of stuff, of being an embellisher, a, a BSer. And it was, I know what you did. I know how hard it was. I did my part. I did what I, what I thought I should do here. Um, and guess what? It worked, man. So thank me, don't spank me. Say goodbye, you folks, for your closing <laughs> goodbye. And Luisa, say goodbye. And I'll just close it out with, thank there's two you, songs. Lady. I'm going to pick the lucky man for me and Benny. I'm going to put on the lucky man here. Okay, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's always a pleasure. And listen, if anybody has any concerns, if they have any questions, you know, my cell phone is 786-306-9180. Uh, my email is Raquel um, at RaquelRegalado.com. It's very simple. Uh, I do my own social media. So if you uh, if you follow me on social media, uh, I am the person that is responding. I am the person that is posting. Uh, so it's very it's very easy. On Facebook, it's Raquel Regalado. On Instagram, it's Raquel A. Regalado. And Twitter, it's Raquel Regalado. Uh, I do a TV, I do a radio show in the morning. So if you call me in the morning and I tell you that I'm on the radio and I'll, I'll call you back, I will as soon as I'm off at noon. Uh, but uh, but I'm happy to help. And, and I think that um, this is a tremendous opportunity uh, for good governance. Uh, and, and like you said, I think from this pandemic, one of the takeaways is going to be respectful uh, collaboration and, and effective leaders. Yeah. Uh, and I hope I hope that's the case across the board. I hope so too. Okay, your turn. No, oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought <laughs> we were done. <laughs> your final statement. No, my final statement is a very long along the similar lines that Raquel is saying is that I do think it's about effective leadership today, and I do think that people need new ideas. We just cannot in this time keep hearing and rubber stampers regurgitation of things that haven't worked. And in our case here in Key Biscayne, right, we have three seats that are up. Four, pe you know, these people have sat on council for four years, and four years is a long time in government. Yes. And if you have not been effective, step off. Let some other people come up. And I think that Key Biscayne really deserves that. I think Key Biscayne needs to look at the the candidates that they and have. the way the way that they form the city. Yeah. I know for sure that the reason why the the terms were two years so they didn't get too redundant. And the the council, I mean, the mayor was two years and the council member were four years. And there was a reason for that. And quite frankly, since the mayor got got off easy with an uh, uncontested reelection over considerable controversy, I think it's time for us to replace everybody. Yeah. So that'll be the end of the show. <laughs> WSQF, Blink Radio. Take care, my friends. And as I promised, the lucky man. Take care. Stay free. <laughs>